Hey, what's up, guys? It's Tom here. I hope you're all as excited as we are for the new release of Spider-Man No Way Home. We just wanted to put out a little message asking that when you guys do see the movie, please don't spoil it for anyone. Yeah, no spoilers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this movie is so huge. And we can't wait to watch it with you this December on the big screen. See you there, and remember, no spoilers. But Jamie, you are a spoiler. What you mean I'm a spoiler? And now, from the Emerald City of Seattle, it's the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Your home for pop culture, Transformers, independent artists, interviews, Transformers, and stuff and things. Also sometimes Transformers. And now, here he is, the cream that always rises to the top, Mike Seibert. Hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and in this episode, I am going to pick up where I left off talking about uh, the Spider-Man, the Spider-Man No Way Home. This is a full spoiler discussion, so if you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home and are interested in uh, hearing me kind of give some opinions on the very, very spoilery stuff, uh, nothing will be held back. Um, uh, This is the right place for you. If you don't want any of that, punch out now and then go check out my non-spoiler review which is basically about as non-spoilery as you get. I kind of spend the majority of the time talking about my thoughts and impressions about uh, this incarnation of Spider-Man in the in the MCU and kind of how everything uh, uh, kind of fits together. And I kind of give you some overall uh, thoughts and feelings and impressions of what I thought about the movie. So if you're interested in hearing me talk about non-spoiler go check out that episode but if you're here for the goods uh to to get that sweet sweet uh spoiler candy uh then then you are in the right place um also, in in the interest of uh, uh, full disclosure, and really, this is just kind of like a, a weird time capsule uh, thing for me. As uh, as I had mentioned in the previous episode, which you've already listened to, uh, this is basically just picking up right where I left off. I saved that file, opened up a new one, and and started talking again. It is now um, eleven p.m. on Tuesday, December fourteenth. I just came from an advanced screening of the movie so um i i am recording piping hot takes uh basically like straight out the oven because i know if i go to bed and i you know kind of let let the i don't know enthusiasm inspiration whatever you want to call it leave me um then I might not record this episode or I might not come back to it. So um, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I um, I, I was just I was just I, I felt um, a, a wicked inspiration to just crack the mic right after seeing this movie. So um, I, I'm just going to record everything now and then I will uh, um, I will I have published this after the movie uh comes out because that's while while the review embargo has lifted um at the time of my uh recording this i i am confident that the spoiler uh embargo has not so and it will be interesting and part of the reason why i'm recording this now is because i kind of want to have a historical uh document of when the spoilers actually happened and um from so from this point forward i'll give you like you know three two one punch out so you know if if you don't want full spoilers i'm gonna start speaking freely if this isn't what you wanted then then again please uh punch out now and check out the other episode and come back uh for this one um but the 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 thing the first is I, I will be interested to see when the levees break and we start seeing confirmation 
of things that we only speculated about within the trailers and even the uh, development of uh, of this movie. I had mentioned in uh, in in the previous episode and. And I know that drives some of you nuts sometimes when when it's like, oh, hey, in this other episode. But it's 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 just how my brain is organized right now since I'm recording this uh, all at once. But I had mentioned that there was a review in Variety that basically uh, hard spoils uh, uh, the movie. So and I think that's kind of like the beginning of uh, the cracks. So um Basically, the review, allegedly spoiler-free review, um, essentially gives away in the first paragraph that both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are indeed in uh, in this movie. And they do reprise reprise their roles as, um, as the Spider-Men. Um, so... It's, I don't know, it's at once the best kept secret and the worst kept secret. Because the the thing to consider when uh, thinking about spoilers for them being in the movie, it's like, is it, are we, are we surprised? Because that's what we basically suspected. In a way... I don't know what I could point to, but in a way, it's almost kind of like what we were promised, especially when you start seeing the villains of the other movies showing up. Now, one of the things that I I neglected to mention in my non-spoiler episode, and um, I kind of regret that because like it's kind of a component of the baggage that I took with me into the movie. One one of my hot takes walk watching those trailers that I felt indifferent about is it's like Tom Holland's Spider-Man movies are so concerned with being part of the larger tapestry of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they neglected to build their own unique rogues gallery. That Tom Holland Spider-Man doesn't have no villains, so basically they have to reach back into the old movies to give him some bad guys to fight. Because he's not making bad guys when he's off uh, hanging out with the Avengers. Uh, really, the only villain he has is um, uh, is uh, is Vulture is uh, is Michael Keaton. I mean, he doesn't have Mysterio. J- uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is still super dead, which I thought was interesting that that they kind of um, let that stay and and let that stick. But um, so, is it a surprise? that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are are in this movie? Um, time will tell. But at the time of my watching the movie, the Tuesday before it came out, it hadn't been confirmed, suspected, but not confirmed until um, this... Uh, uh, I am sure there, there are countless other... Uh, review outlets that 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 freely spoiled it as well but i haven't seen anything on twitter um granted i haven't been clicking a lot of hashtags and i really haven't been going through it so so again this is a message in a bottle for me to uh kind of figure out because i i bet you by the time i wake up wednesday morning three days before the movie comes out that I I will have seen it spoiled, so uh, you can feel free and chuckle at that because you're you're listening to this in the uh, in, in in the future, which is my past, your present. I don't know, but um, but yeah. So so let let's just kind of unpack some of this. So yeah, so all of the Spider Men are in it. You got yourself a Tobey Maguire. You got yourself an Andrew Garfield, and they they show up late, super late. Um, like they they basically kind of kick off um, the third act, and um, it's interesting when when they showed up. So 
I I saw it with members of the press. And press means a number of things. You know, digital outlets, traditional outlets, YouTubers, podcasters, radio show folks, various media. So so it's not it's not any one type of press, which which makes it a pretty um uh interesting crowd. Um in fact it is kind of interesting. Uh there there is one particular uh, YouTuber, uh, movie YouTuber who is uh, very popular, um, that that just happens to live in the Seattle area, and I've seen this person in no fewer than a half a dozen different uh, press screenings, and it's it, it's weirdly surreal because, like, on one hand, I want to roll up to him and say, "Oh, hey, man, I I, I check out your channel," but I don't want to be that guy. So it's interesting that folks even doing kind of what I do still kind of have that, that um, I'm not starstruck by the dude. I mean, it's like, I, I, I don't, I don't care that much, but, but it is just kind of like a, I don't know, an interesting oddity. Whereas, uh, you know, he kind of carries himself like a YouTuber, whereas I, I carry myself like a, like a, a schlubby radio person. And like those, uh, those couple times where I have had fans, uh, come up to me, it's kind of like, what do you want to talk to me for? But I, I digress. Um, but, but there, there, there's a moment where, um, uh, Ned is doing the the Doctor Strange sling ring thing and opens up a portal. They're calling to uh, Peter Parker. They think it's Tom Holland, but no, it's Andrew Garfield. And um, and, and then later on, uh, they they do the same thing. They're 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 trying to find where Peter Parker is, and then that's where uh, Tobey Maguire comes in. And I gotta say, the the first response that i had was to chuckle both of these fellows look very um aged um i mean andrew garfield is 38 uh toby mcguire is 46 <laughs> and and where whereas tom holland is 25 i mean it's like andrew garfield comes in with basically like a, a thick five o'clock shadow like his five o'clock shadow is almost thick as my beard <laughs> um and and toby mcguire um already looked like he was 45 back in 2002 so um dude's just not not uh not aging like the fine wine so but i will say though that i think that's the moment where things kind of clicked for me and my opinion softened and I kind of kind of gave myself over to the movie and say, well, oh, hey, so now we're here. You know what? I'm already here at this party. I may as well enjoy myself. You know, it's like, you know, kind of that feeling where it's like, you know, you've had a couple sodas and you're just like, you know, all right, fine. I can loosen up a little bit. That that's kind of how I felt about this movie because I was very uptight. Um because like I I don't know if it was because I was trying to decode the movie and try to stay ahead of it. Um and just not letting myself enjoy it. I'm I, uh, I I'm not specifically sure, but I, I I know I wasn't having a great time with it. My whole attitude is, yeah, yeah, no, this is this is fine. You know, it's it's uh even with the villains from the other movies, it's uh it, it's jam-packed. And I let's let's talk about the villains and the and the characters for a few because basically, I mean, it's in the trailer. You're you're introduced to uh Otto Octavius and and uh the Green Goblin right away like like uh uh pretty much right off the bat you know kind of kind of first act type of stuff but it isn't until the other characters show up like electro and sandman and uh and the lizard that you kind of get a sense of where these characters 
fit in in continuity. And I have questions. It doesn't exactly fit, but more or less what the conceit is, is these characters um, are all super dead, <laughs> apparently, uh, but but they were all plucked Free Jack style. Um, that that uh, Emilio Estavez movie with uh, with Mick Jagger back in the day. Anyway, they they were pulled from the moment right before they die. Um, so you get a it, it that kind of creates the whole moral quandary quandary uh for uh for peter parker it's like you know doctor strange comes up with the spell i can send these assholes back um but peter parker knows that um if they go back they will immediately be killed and that that kind of creates some interesting moral ambiguity for uh for peter parker which again one of my criticisms of these marvel cinematic universe spider-man movies this version of spider-man doesn't really have to deal with a whole lot he doesn't really have a whole lot of problems and a lot of the problems that he has are kind of self-made and he overcomes them with technology so it's uh again again this uh th- this version of Spider-Man hasn't hasn't necessarily uh, uh resonated uh, uh with me as strongly but I, but I I've talked about that um a ton already so so I'm not I'm not necessarily going to relitigate that but uh but the stuff with the Spider-Man is a lot of fun. I think the three actors have a pretty good chemistry and and they have a lot of fun together and there's a lot of uh terrific callbacks and references and uh one one moment that that kind of stuck out with me is you see it in the trailer but you get a kind of uh it it wouldn't be a spider-man movie unless an mj gets hucked off the side of a building in this case it's zendaya but what you see in the trailer is that tom holland jumps after her and he stretches out his hand and you're wondering if this is going to be a mirror of the gwen stacy scene from amazing spider-man 2 where obviously um uh emma stone takes the pass there uh because of what Andrew Garfield does the choice that he makes. I thought it was pretty cool actually when instead of Tom Holland, it's Andrew Garfield who swoops in and and rescues MJ uh, Zendaya and doing so in a completely different way. He's learned from his mistake. He's like, well, you know, if I web somebody from this height, it, it'll uh, snap their their neck, snap their back, uh, you know, kill them dead. And I liked that Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker, his Spider-Man kind of got that opportunity to do it right and and to do it again and that's really what this movie is all about it's a love letter to the sony spider-man movies um not as much for into the spider-verse as i would like and and again that 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 gets into some ropey legislation that you can't quite come back from if it's uh if you're mixing cartoons and live action um so so maybe they haven't quite come far that far yet but i do wonder if there'll be opportunity for the reverse now that we've fully established the uh uh, the multiverse maybe some of these versions will make their way back into uh the the cartoon or, or vice versa time uh time will tell but i liked that this movie kind of in a lot of sense righted a, a lot of wrongs like um well i i mean starting with uh with Jamie Fox um that version of electro in amazing spider-man 2 is awful um the the costume design is terrible and and 
everything was everything was awful about it. So here you get to see Jamie Foxx, who you wanted to see, who is a good actor, who was good casting, good casting in a terrible movie. And and I think that's kind of what a lot of these these um, things have been. So like you know he doesn't have quite a proper electro costume but he looks certainly better than he did in um in that other movie and i like that you know he, he's got a hard on for for the arc reactor and he likes that that particular type of energy and he can he can detect that the energy in this universe is different than the than the one he comes from i, th- I think that's a pretty cool concept and i think they kind of brought some justice um to that character um also i i think the stuff they did with um uh, with uh, Willem Dafoe and Green Goblin. I thought that was pretty cool in that, like, you know, he still gets to be Dafoe unleashed. And it was kind of cool to see him come back to this role and that he still kind of got it and that it's not just a discount Joker impression. Um, But I liked that they addressed one of the main criticisms from that original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie is that that suit looks real dumb that the Power Ranger Green Goblin suit looks dumb so what do they do they get rid of it and there's a scene where it's like I I laughed hard when Willem Dafoe showed he's wearing the Green Goblin costume sands the helmet and mask because he smashed it in a in an earlier scene but now he has a ratty tattered purple cloak you know it, hood and all it's 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 a it's a cape it's a cowl it's a hood it's very green goblin in fact actually it's kind of hobgoblin with especially with the way that he looked at the end of the movie with like all the belts and pouches and and the goggles and um i was like okay cool so you you kind of had another chance at that character design but with the same actor and and it freaking works he he's great in that and the 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 one that i was I wasn't sure how I was going to feel going into it is revisiting Alfred Molina as uh, Doc Ock, as as Dr. Octopus. And the the reason for that is basically he has a terrific redemption arc at uh, at the at the end of Spider-Man 2, which I haven't revisited Spider-Man 2 in a very, very long time. There was a time where that was probably in like my top 10 movies of all time. Uh, certainly at, at the top of the heap of my favorite superhero movies, but I, I haven't revisited it in contemporary times to see if that's still the case or not it or how well it holds up but what does hold up is is alfred merlina's performance he, he makes a very compelling sympathetic villain and the thing i was concerned about is you bring him back you make make it a point of bringing him back but then you bring him back as the villain that we all remembered it's like oh man does that undo his heroic sacrifice and his redemption at the end of spider-man 2 and because of the 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 free jack conceit where uh these characters are plucked right before uh before they die they cheat a little bit with doc ock because he's he's plucked uh when he's choking out peter parker and he's uh um he's still very much villainous but he gets a redemption arc in this movie also and ends up uh, uh, fighting on on the good guy side. And I I kind of like that because, you know, it, it kind of preserves you, you kind of get it both ways um, because th- there are there are times that, well, quite frankly, everybody is hamming it up. This is a corny ass movie. And. I think that's one of my criticisms of it, and I think that's what was kind of off-putting me for like the first two-thirds of it. It's like, 
it's not silly, it's corny. And I I think I think I just didn't know what to do with it. Uh, you know, how to feel about that, but um so yeah, so you you got um Let's see. So, so we already talked about Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe. Um, Thomas Hayden Church uh, returns as uh, as Sandman, who you wouldn't know it until uh, like the very, very end of the movie when he gets turned back into Flint Marco. I was like, so he's just a computer generated Sandman for for. <laughs> for the whole movie and i'm like is that even thomas hayden church doing the voice or did they just hire a a uh, sound alike to just be the computer person but yeah no sure enough it's it's him doing all the work um conversely uh Ray infants uh ifens from uh uh from the amazing spider-man you know returns as the lizard as well he's not even listed in the uh um he's in the credits but he's not listed in the title sequence so basically it goes, I think if I, I'm trying to remember this, it's obviously, um, uh, Tom Holland. Uh, oh, I, I don't remember the order, but because I, I was really kind of trying to clock when the ands and the withs would come in, but basically it's like, you know, it's Tom Holland, uh, Zendaya and, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, then Marissa Tomei. Maybe then a, a Favreau, um, or maybe it's Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx was very high build. Point being, you get like a Jamie Foxx, and then you get like and Alfred Molina and uh, Willem Dafoe with Andrew Garfield and uh, and Tobey Maguire, um, and then then it gives like the other folks in in the movie. And anyway, so uh Rach Infants uh Infants doesn't uh doesn't show up there at all very embarrassing and he has nothing to do just just like Sandman he just has nothing to do um so that that's that's just kind of that's just kind of like whatever um I I I guess another thing that that um I want to talk about is you know there was a lot of speculation about what this movie was going to be with regards to uh what it's going to do what it's going to set up um you know we, we were back to thinking mephisto was going to be into it because there was a lot of one more day vibes that that um controversial uh storyline where basically it's the same thing where peter parker makes a deal with the devil literally mephisto to have the world forget who uh, that that he's revealed his identity um so i mean obviously the plot mechanics are a lot different but basically you know during civil war peter parker reveals that he's been spider-man since he was 15 years old and then um uh villains come after him uh aunt may is shot she lives but basically it, it's the cost of peter parker's identity being out there and basically this movie picks up immediately where uh spider-man uh, far from home picks up at or leaves off at with mysterio having revealed peter parker's identity and with uh, jk simmons uh doing his very best alex jones impression which i really like that i like that the daily bugle has been recontextualized as info wars basically i i uh I, I found that uh, a pretty, pretty entertaining and a, and a good way to, again, recontextualize that that um, uh, character for a, a post newspaper era. Um, uh, of course, J. Jonah Jameson would be on some uh, fringe uh, media uh, type thing. So uh, but anyway, so it's like so. So both of those storylines, One More Day and um and here, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home kind of start off from that same perspective of Peter Parker's identity is out there. And instead of Mephisto, it's Doctor Strange who he goes to for help. And there is speculation that that the Doctor Strange that we see in the um, uh, hoodie and sweater and and uh, cape in the in the snow filled uh, uh, Sanctum Santorum um, is indeed Mephisto. Um, 
There's nothing in this movie to indicate that, and that's probably just fine. Mephisto fans will have to wait just a little longer uh, to see the obscure devil character. It reminds me a bit, though, and I talked about this uh, when I talked about um, Eternals with Greg and the gang on uh, Unfunny Nerd Tangent, is that... I don't think that kids these days have an encyclopedic knowledge of the Marvel Universe from reading comics, but what they do know is from what they read on wiki pages and research that they do. So I think these folks that are clamoring for Mephisto aren't necessarily fans of the character, but it's from what they've picked up from doing online research, so that therefore has kind of shaped their expectations if uh if that makes sense like i um i i talked about how i um did i still don't think it was a spoiler but like at, during the the post post credit scene of eternals it deals with uh black knight and i i was I was impatient. I was fussy. I wanted to go home and I blurted out. I'm like, I'm like, can you just reveal that he's black Knight already? Because we already know. And the dude sitting next to me was like, Hey, thanks a lot. And I'm like, all I spoiled was your online research. If you can't clock that, that, that Jon Snow is is the Black Knight. I can't help you because the movie is rotten with uh, with clues, not up to and including using his name, uh, Dane Whitman. So, um, uh, so yeah, and and even then, that post credit scene doesn't actually confirm it because nobody actually says Black Knight at any particular time. So really. Uh, you're left to your own conclusions and your own research. Sure, sure. There's the ebony blade that that comes out of the the box there, but nothing having to do Black Knight. It was, yeah, frustrating. Anyhow, so that that's I I guess I guess my my thoughts on uh Mephisto. But basically, what you know, events kind of play out similarly but differently. In that, you know, Doctor Strange casts uh, the spell. We've seen it in the trailer. And because Peter Parker is is uh, uh, finicky and choosy about who he wants to know his secret, ends up wrecking the spell. And that's what cracks open uh, the multiverse. And basically, I, and I thought this was kind of cool and, and clever in that it's people who know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man specifically because of the conditions of the spell and the terror in the multiverse. That's why we see those particular villains. Now, granted, those, those are the only villains. <laughs> so, um, but it is an interesting coincidence that they all do know uh, Peter Parker's true identity as um, as Spider-Man. I, I, I thought that was a pretty good gimmick and it kind of sets up um, what I thought is one of the most interesting concepts at the end of the movie is basically the multiverse has fractured and uh you know that there's tears and these beings are coming through and you see silhouettes of all kinds of cool characters like you see like a rhino at some point nothing actually specific though um I'll be interested to uh see what people clock in the in the in the coming times to because uh, I am sure there will be entire videos and podcasts and and uh, explainer articles think pieces things like that to really dissect the um, uh, the Easter eggs in the movie um, I literally just came from seeing it and I just wanted to crack a mic so I've done no research in fact actually um, Again, part of the reason why I'm glad I did this because, like, um, so few people have seen the movie that the Wikipedia article, all it has is the premise. It just says, premise, after Peter Parker's identity as Spider-Man was exposed by Mysterio at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, his life and reputation are turned upside down. Parker asked Dr. Stephen Strange to help restore his secret identity with magic, but breaks open the multiverse, allowing five supervillains from alternate realities who previously fought other versions of Spider-Man. 
Spider-Man to arrive. That's all it has. It has no uh, other official synopsis. It doesn't have a plot summary. And I I think um, I think that's interesting. So as I said, I kind of wanted to record this raw, uh, for lack of better term, uh, while um, you know before I had time to really kind of collect my thoughts and really have other people collate my thoughts for me. So um, uh, excuse the crudity of the of this model. I I didn't have time to build it to scale or to uh, to paint it. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, so so. Um, the end of the movie happens and and the only way to stop the supervillain incursions from is as we're told by Doctor Strange through all aspects of the multiverse all universes anybody that knows who Peter Parker is Spider-Man is coming the only way to solve that is to do the spell where Nobody knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And to the movie's credit, it appears that, um, I mean, I mean, they go for it. They, they, they kind of play for keeps there. And it'll be interesting to see if that sticks because that leads to more than a couple continuity questions. And again, I think in the pieces that are coming, we'll probably untangle this better than than I can here, uh, just a couple hours removed from having watched the movie. But the fact that nobody knows who he is, including Happy Hogan, um, as they're sharing that moment at uh, Aunt May's grave, um how does that recontextualize the um, Avengers adventures um, in a weird way? It's kind of, it's kind of good that Tony Stark is dead because that recontextualizes a lot of things. And I don't know how retroactive that is because if you think about it too hard and for too long, the whole Marvel universe is going to fall apart because in civil war, we establish that Tony Stark knows who Peter Parker is and recruits him for his side of the conflict. Now, if Tony Stark never knew who Peter Parker was, then civil war doesn't happen. And I, I I don't know how you pull those threads from there and then does that mean, what does that mean for Spider-Man? Has Spider-Man been part of the Avengers? Was he part of the Affinity War? Was he a part of the Endgame? Um, does anyone know who Spider-Man is? Is Spider-Man new on the scene? It, it seems not because you square that circle with, with uh, Jameson saying like, oh, you know, Spider-Man, he's a menace. He's a criminal. He hides behind a mask. Nobody know, knows who he is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept to explore, but the thing that, that resonates with me about that is that the Spider-Man actually sacrifices something and, uh, you know, I'll talk about Aunt May in just a, just a minute, but that's also one of the things that, that, that's, um, that's bothered me about this incarnation of Spider-Man is like, um, aside from being, uh, killed by the Thanos snap, nothing bad really happens to, uh, this particular Spider-Man. I don't know if he's lost uncle Ben. Um, he certainly didn't learn any kind of lessons about power and responsibility. Um, so it's like, what, what has this Peter Parker actually lost between three Spider-Man movies, like two and a half Avengers movies and God knows what else he he's been in. Um, I think they actually characterized this version of Spider-Man best in the zombie episode of what if, where basically being in the midst of a zombie apocalypse he stays upbeat and quippy and that that's a you know beacon for the for the remaining heroes and i really like that like even when um 
uh, Hope, uh, the wasp, uh, you know, gets bit by the zombie and, you know, she's about to succumb. She's like, you know, d- d- smile for me. Keep smiling. And 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 I, I liked that characterization. I would like to see more of that in these movies. And I think the the thing that I thought almost immediately after the um after the mid credit scene and i'm just kind of sitting there watching the credit scroll and kind of stuck with my own thoughts for a few until the inevitable post credit scene comes up is they seem to have gotten my emails and and what i mean by that is um this movie feels like it's a response to a lot of the criticisms of not just this last run of the Spider-Man movies, but all of the Spider-Man movies. You know, I, I talked about how they kind of addressed and fixed the villains. But the thing that, that's bothered me the most is that this is a Spider-Man that doesn't know anything about power and responsibility or or hasn't learned that hard lesson. This kind of reminds me in a way of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Whereas at the end of each movie, I'm kind of hoping that the origin story ends and we can actually get to him being James Bond. And, um, you know, side tangent for a sec that it, it, that series never really gets there. It's like you have James Bond as a seasoned rookie. You have James Bond as a still seasoned rookie. And then you have, um, James Bond as old and tired and retired. And uh, basically it, it has a beginning and an end, but no real middle. The The thing that, that I find very frustrating about the Daniel Craig James Bond movies is that you never really see James Bond in his prime. He's either green or he's old. And it's a... Uh, and that kind of frustrates me. And that that now, having seen uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, that is in a way kind of how I feel about these movies. I didn't realize that that's what we were doing at the time. But basically, these three movies, whether it's you know Homecoming, uh, Far From Home, and now No Way Home, it really is kind of like a origin movie in that... So you get to the end of this movie and he's finally finally what i would say most of us would recognize as spider-man no more iron man suit um he he's learned his lesson about power and responsibility and he's sacrificed he has he has that weight on his heart now but still with the cheerful idealism that makes him spider-man and i'm i am both i i don't know i don't know how to feel about the aunt may stuff because it's i i feel like it's a fridging i i think aunt may ultimately becomes a woman in refrigerators in that like you know she is sacrificed to uh propel the male character's uh story forward um and basically she plays the uncle ben role because they skipped over the uncle ben stuff in this cycle of movies and again like like i said previously spider-man homecoming is so much of an anti-origin that it skips over the fundamentals. And, you know, one of the things I say, like in, in my personal life is like, you know, sure, there are things that are implied, but sometimes you got to say the words. And it really bothered me that throughout all of those movies up until this one, nobody said with, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's like literally what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. That's that's what differentiates him from other characters. It's it's that it's that knowledge and that burden and acceptance 
of that burden and responsibility that that separates him from other types of characters. So, um, yeah. So, so with the the Aunt May thing, basically, she she gets killed off, and. I don't know if it's a contract thing. Maybe Marissa Tomei is like, you know what? I've been in three of these. I don't want to be in Marvel movies for for the entire rest of my life. Can we do something here? It it has it has a very end of contract feel to it. But what it does do is it finally gives Peter Parker this version of Peter Parker a true um a sacrifice he he's finally actually lost something you could argue that that you know the the loss of tony stark weighed heavily on him but you know it, it's like th- th- this is family this is different um so yeah i mean i i i would not have preferred it played out that way but for the fact that we finally get it I'll take it. And so when he has the conversation with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield later, and they're talking about power and responsibility and Tobey Maguire actually finishes the sentence, that actually kind of worked. So I, 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 I don't know. In, in a weird way, it's, it's where Tom Holland finally actually turns into Spider-Man. And I got to say it at the end of the end of the movie, I, when, when he shows up, uh, um, in a handmade, uh, spandex suit that is sky blue and, and that, and that, and that fire engine red looking like a John Romita, uh, cover come to life. I really enjoyed that. I was like, okay, cool. But here's the thing, though. Tom Holland's getting older now. He's 25. And he said, I, I, I don't know if he was joking or not, but he said something to the effect of, like, he doesn't want to uh, uh, continue playing Spider-Man after he's 30. Or that he shouldn't be playing Spider-Man in, in, in his 30s. And, and I kind of agree with that. But it's like, okay, well, finally, this version of the character gets to where you want him to be. And that's it. So it's like, you know, are we are we are we going to continue? Are we going to reboot? What's going to happen? But it feels to me again like the James Bond thing where it's just like finally the this this 6-year origin story cycle is over. Let's just get to Spider-Man being Spider-Man and I I don't think we're going to see it. I don't know what the the future of the Sony and Marvel deal is. Um I don't know if it includes more movies. I I just I I I really couldn't say. I don't know. Um uh what else did I want to talk? Oh, I I, I uh we got to talk about the the Matt Murdock cameo. Um you know, it's it was really kind of like I don't know, kind of weirdly spoiled by Kevin Feige saying that um you know, Charlie Cox will be Matt Murdock as as long as he wants to be or or something like that. I don't remember the exact quote, but I um I I saw the movie in a press screening. And I should also add, not only was this a press screening, but this was a press screening with no guests. A little bit behind the curtain, generally when we're invited to press screenings, you get a plus one. Sometimes, depending upon the nature of the screening, like sometimes there's press screenings and then there's promotional screenings. So uh, either way, generally, if I... um talk to the promotions company and say like, Hey man, can I, can I get another plus one more often than not? The answer is yes. Not the case this time. Sony has been weirdly tight lipped. I think they're trying to keep the kettle on uh, the spoiler uh, kettle lid on the spoiler pot. I, I, it's a, I don't understand what I'm doing with that analogy, but trying to keep a lid on spoilers as best as it can and trying to minimize access. So this was the first time that I've been going to press screenings where I was told, yeah, no, no plus ones, just you. Um, 
so I, I thought that was very interesting, but but that's important to note because generally within press screenings, the 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 uh, it's not like seeing it with how shall I say normal people. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, I've talked about this before, but like, you know, when, when you see it with a crowd, you you see how they respond to things, you know, laughing at the jokes, gasping at the thrills. Generally, in a press screening, you get very, very little of that. This was actually a pretty animated bunch, but um, when Charlie Cox makes his entrance, and it, and it's a cool entrance um basically he uh walks in from out of frame and your intro to him is um uh um jabbing his walking stick and and it's a loud um uh it's a loud bang you know it's like clack and um as soon as that happened some dude up in the rafters clocked it and he's like yes <laughs> and so and we knew at that point we knew it was charlie cox and then he uh th- there's no reference to him being daredevil aside from uh somebody throws a brick through a window and using his his daredevilness catches the brick and um and 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 it's a really cool moment uh tom holland asks he's like how did you do that he's like i'm a i'm a really good lawyer and i i really like that um and it's it's the perfect cameo in that it it reaches out and touches the other stuff. I can't think of another time other than when the actor who played Jarvis in the Agent Carter TV show showed up in Avengers Endgame in the in the uh, 1970s uh, portion with uh, with Howard Stark. I can't think of another instance when something from the TV shows has made it to the movies. Generally, the movies affect the shows but the shows don't affect the movies. That's that's where you get like this weird divergent path between what the movies were doing and what Marvel's Agents of Shield was doing. Uh, much to the the detriment of that Agents of Shield show because that got really ropey and and very divergent um, towards the end. But I thought that was a really cool cameo because it doesn't necessarily promise anything, but it it, it gives you what you want and it doesn't. Um, it doesn't outlast its welcome. Um, also, uh, in the uh, speaking of cameos in the post-credit scene, I'm sorry, the mid-credit scene after the titles, you get yourself a Tom Hardy, you know, as uh, as Venom, and it raised so many questions because it's like, wait a sec, how can he be here? What is happening? Um, and then you come to find out that it, it it's set at a time before. Um, everybody was sent back and it caps off with him being sent back, not without leaving a parting gift in in the form of um, a single globule of venom goop. So what does that mean for the future? Is that a way to establish venom in the MCU? I don't know. Um, apparently, there's something in a post-credit scene from uh, from a Venom "Let There Be Carnage," but I haven't seen that movie, so I don't I, I don't know what it is. But apparently, there's something there to establish some kind of connectivity with uh, with the MCU. Um, I, I I need a Venom movie without Spider Man as much as I need a Joker movie without Batman. But uh, but that that's just me. I I just thought that was. Um, um, I, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a very goofy mid credit scene. I would have thought even at the time that that would have made a better post post credit scene just based on how much of a nothing whatever it is. But then we get to the the uh, the post credit scene. And I mentioned this in the in the non-spoiler portion, but it reminds me of the post-credit scene of Captain America, the first Avenger, in that, you know, it picks up on Doctor Strange and we're getting to see the consequences of him dabbling with uh, the multiverse and, and spells and somewhere along the way, I, I, I'll be interested to see it again to see at what point it changes from being like a, a scene to a commercial. Because at one point, it becomes 
a straight up trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You know, he he's uh, he's encountering Wanda and it's established that it's post WandaVision. And um, yeah, it, it looks less like a scene um, than it does like a, a honest to goodness trailer. The only thing it was missing is a title card that said Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Instead, because it's a it's a different movie studio, it does say Doctor Strange will return. So I think that that's a way for them to um, get around that. Um, so yeah, I, I just um, I, I'm just really trying to think of other stuff that that kind of stuck out. I'm sure there are a a million Easter eggs that I'm not talking about here that I either that either sailed over my head or, um, you know, or, or just haven't been revealed yet again, be on the lookout for those, uh, think pieces. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, uh, the movie is fine. It's totally fine. It's, it is better than what I expected. I was expecting this to be, way more connected to the MCU overall storyline. And I was delighted that it's more or less untethered from that. And you could argue now that I just now thought of this, you could, you could make a, a thought that now that the spell has been cast and folks have forgotten who Peter Parker is, that's a way to squirrel Spider-Man back out of the MCU and uh, and back into the 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 Sony universe, kind of by itself. Food for thought on that. That that's that 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 take needs to sit in the oven a little longer. It's still a little uh, kind of uh, um, half cooked. I just now thought of that, but um, I, I I would be I would be very interested to hear. Um, what, uh, uh, what you thought about that. And, um, rather than just kind of continuing to, uh, uh, spin my wheels or actually, no, I guess one last thing, I, cause it's, a uh, um, I, again, the stuff with the three Spider-Men are really good and you get some really good, um, uh, Peter Parker jokes. And it's like there, there's a time where all three Peter Parkers are working on science stuff and Ned's like, Hey, Peter, yes. Peter Parker, yes. Um, so I, I thought that was a really good gag, but one of the things that I thought was a really, really, really cool payoff is as the three Spider-Men are fighting the villains, they're not doing well at, at first. And they huddle up and they realize they don't have any experience working as a team, but and that's where Tom Holland has the edge on it. He's like, um, you know, I was part of the Avengers and I like that the other two Spider-Men have no idea what that is, but I, I like that that kind of takes some of the things that I was critical about it. Cause like, I, I remember having very similar thoughts when they incorporated both Spider-Man and Wolverine into the new Avengers comic book that, uh, that Brian Michael Bendis did. But, I liked what they did with that and it kind of made these two uh, headline characters kind of weird fish out of water type of things. It's like, you know, um, especially Spider-Man. He's like, yeah, I, I don't I don't belong here that that kind of thing kind of almost like uh like a uh, uh, green lantern kyle rayner trying to trying to fit in with uh with the justice league of the 90s uh the jla um so i i liked that it was kind of it it's still tom holland's movie and that he uses his experience as being part of a team uh to uh uh to bring them all together and to you know um save the day um uh, essentially um i i would have liked a follow-up joke of like you know maybe we're talking about uh <laughs> a steed and peel you know the the avengers of the of the 60s uh from from england there uh but i i think that would have been too much of a 
uh, too much of a stretch, um, or perhaps the the movie from the '90s with uh, Sean Connery and uh, Uma Thurman and uh, and Rafe Fiennes. Um, that movie's not good. Don't watch it. But it's one of those things. It's like I I remember when I was a kid. And I would uh, see in the TV guide that there was something called the Avengers. And I thought it was the Avengers. I turn it on and it's like these these English people being all English and stuff. And it was really off-putting. Plus it was live action. So I, and I didn't, I wasn't old enough to um, have an appreciation for that. But um, anyway, so yeah, I just, um, I, I thought that the interplay between the three Spider-Men was really good and you get a lot of payoffs like like the thing that I said earlier the the thing with Andrew Garfield uh, kind of getting to actually rescue the girl this time um, and and you get you get some cool moments with a uh, with Toby Maguire with with his folks and and um, yeah no I mean all in all, as I've said already, it this is this is basically a a love letter to the Sony era of live action Spider-Man. So if if you watched Spider-Man the original like as a kid, this this one's going to work for you in a big bad way. Um if you came into it, I mean, I mean, I, how old was I? I was, you know, I had to have been like in my twenties, but it, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, if you had told me that there was going to be a live action Spider-Man movie, I wouldn't have believed you. And now I've lived long enough to see a Spider-Man movie that recanonizes everything, everything even that stuff from from the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man movies that nobody likes that some folks actually like. I just don't. I I don't I don't like either of those movies. I like aspects of them. I like concepts of them, but uh, but I I don't like them. Um, Spider-Man Two probably one of my favorite superhero movies. I need to revisit it and reevaluate it. Spider-Man the first. I think suffers from being of its time. I don't think it holds up. Um, I, again, I haven't watched that in a million years. I just know that Macy Gray is in there doing a musical number and that, that dates it horribly. And I don't think the, the visual effects hold up. And with kind of that, that Sam Raimi sensibility, it's almost kind of like the Tim Burton Batman where it's like, you know, it, 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 it's a piece of nostalgia, but as something that that holds up might not necessarily be as um, satisfying. But I would love to hear what you thought about uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, hit me up in all of uh, the usual places. Um, you know, tell me how much uh, full of crap I am and and kind of kind of what you would like to see for the future of Spider-Man and the future of the MCU, because Again, I don't know where we're going. I don't I don't know what we're doing. I mean, obviously the future is in the multiverse, but beyond that, I uh I don't know what. Oh, one last one last thing. Um the I I talked about the post-credit scene uh with uh, Doctor Strange and the reveal is a, it appears the villain of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is Gasp, an evil Doctor Strange. And I, I don't know what to make of that because we've seen that already. We saw it in the What If cartoon. I would have thought it would have been cool if it actually if it actually was that version of Doctor Strange, which actually that wouldn't make any sense, but because we, we saw how that played out in that particular episode. Um But yeah, no, it's a um I don't know how to feel about that movie. And I, I don't know how to feel about the the uh, um, continuation of the MCU. I, I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to participate just in the same way that I continue to eat mashed potatoes and gravy because I like it. And uh, um, I like it, but I don't love it. Um, and, and that's a weird place of complacency with uh, regards to content. Maybe I need to reevaluate that. I don't. I don't know what I would need for me to get off the train entirely. Um, but I do know that I didn't go see Shang-Chi in theaters. I just recently watched it on Disney Plus. And 
I I don't and and I didn't like Eternals. I like Black Widow fine, and I like the TV shows fine. Um, so far, Hawkeye has been fine. Um, in that nothing really blows my hair back anymore, and I don't know if it's the content or if it's me. I think it's me, but your mileage may vary. And that'll wrap things up for uh, this episode, talking about the Spider-Man. Uh, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me uh, on this uh, uh, hot take, because I'm sure by the time you listen to this, you will have seen all the spoilers and all of the stuff that I'm saying now is probably very, very quaint, as I've just now crossed over into midnight. Uh, now it's Wednesday the 15th, uh, the day after I uh, uh, saw that advanced screening of, uh, of Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that'll wrap things up for this episode. And if you want to check out all of my podcasts, you can subscribe on Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn radio, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcast. You can join the Mike Cybertronians and, uh, uh, join the MSRP friends and fans, uh, Facebook group. Uh, link there in the show notes uh, like share rate review the show uh, wherever you happen to find it uh, for Mike Seibert Radio my name is Mike until next time till all are one make good choices and with great power comes re- great responsibility good night again you've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music, For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.